0: All right, good morning, everybody. We're in the final chapter of Hebrews, if you want to turn there, I think. All right. Hebrews 13, that's what I studied for anyway, that's what we're going to get. We got hay bales, just so you know. I didn't pass that on to you, I got that this morning. So anything else for the harvest party that's coming up here October 31st? Um, If you're interested in helping out, go ahead, Josh. We've got the blue big trough. Yeah, I sent it to you. Where you at, man? Come on, coordinator. No, I sent it. I maybe didn't go. Smiths have a big blue poly trough clean they're going to bring. I'm sorry I didn't get that to you. I thought I did. I'm waiting. That's for the soup, Yeah. And soup wrestling that follows, or well, actually before, it adds a little stir and a little extra. If you're visiting, yeah. <laughs> I'm done apologizing. Anyway, that's coming up, excited for that. You know, we're not going to do a concert this year for it, though. We're going to do something different. Um, we're still doing worship with the kids and all, but not a full-blown concert. We're going to do something um, out back here for everybody. like to mix it up a little bit, so um, anyway, just... I don't know why I shared that with you, but just so like people aren't like, "Where's the concert? We're going to do something different out by the bonfire, I think. So it'll be good. All right. Hebrews chapter 13. The writer here is going to finish up and encourage the folks. Now Now that you know your position, now that you know you have nothing to go back to into that old system, that old tabernacle, that old system that's actually voided out, that contract is done. He says, now that you understand where you are and that it's better, here's how you live. Here's what you do. Here's how you walk. I mean, that's the point of it all. Um, the reason Christ came was to not only give us an eternity in the right place, <laughs> to forgive us from our sins, but to also get us course-corrected as far as our attitude goes and as far as our conduct goes in this world. You know, we're not to continue on in the sin. Um, life is better when the world is without sin. I think we all agree. We just don't think it's ours that's affecting it. I can see their sin over there and how horrible this news is and wouldn't the world be a better place without them? (laughs) But we forget to look at our own lives and say, you know, the world would be a better place without my sin as well. And so the writer here is not gonna just leave us with, and isn't that great, you're going to heaven, which is why we come to Christ, but he finishes off with, and now let's make heaven here. I mean, that's part of the prayer. We're not a kingdom now theology group. We don't believe that we're going to make the kingdom happen. That's not biblical. It's not accurate. Christ is going to come and make that happen. He's going to rule and reign. He's going to destroy. He's going to conquer. He's going to do all that. But we do say that in our prayer, by his example, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so He says it starts with us and it ends with us because I really can't affect you. All I can do is teach you and all I can do is affect my own sin and not participate in it and choose not to. And so the first thing out of the box here in verse 1 is let brotherly love continue. The word let indicates that it's gonna go if you don't get in the way. Just let it happen. Let it go. Don't obstruct love. You know, as a believer, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the natural fruit that comes from your life or that should is love. It's natural. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to produce it. I just sit there and wait as I'm connected to the vine. I'm connected to Christ. All of a sudden, I pr- start producing love. Now, I can get in the way of that love. And that's all the writer's saying he is here. You know, we've got an easy job. Just stay out of the way of what God wants to do. First of all, he wants to fix you, and then he wants to fix everybody else, and he wants to make this world the way it was supposed to be. You're a new creation in Christ. And so the first thing he says is let that brotherly love continue. Don't let it get in the way. Don't let your bitterness get in the way. We discussed that last week in chapter 12. Don't let all these other things get in the way of that love just flowing out. Now, this isn't the gushy kind of huggy, cotton candy love he's talking about here. He's talking about honest, real love, which tells the truth. In, in, in hopes and out of love for the person across from you. You know, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't a, isn't a cliche that Christ is going to say he's going to mean it. It's not a plaque that he's got up in heaven that he painted on some old barn wood. You know, don't forget to say this to everybody when they come in the door. But he's going to mean it when he says it. Well done, good and faithful servant. You're kidding me. You know? banks. I'm not even going to question why you said that, you know, because that's how he sees us. And the same thing goes for us. It needs to be that honest, true love, not just accepting, not just um, tolerant, which is, that's the world's version of love. The world's version of love is, you know, just don't cross any lines. Just don't say the wrong thing. Just keep your opinions to yourself. Just kind of go with the flow and You know, if it doesn't hurt anybody, you know, it's okay. Mm, That's not love. That's not love. And so he says, I want you to let that brotherly love continue. And he's described that earlier, and you can reread Hebrews to see what he means by that. Telling brothers the truth. um, But also encouraging them at the same time. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers for by... So doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Now, the word angel isn't like they've got concealed wings under their poncho. I think that's how I see it a lot of times. I'm like, I wonder if that was an angel, you know? Well, remember what the word angel means. Remember, I'm an angel according to the Bible. I don't have any wings, not that you know of anyway. But an angel means Messenger. Uh, John, as he wrote the book of Revelation, was a, a, was a messenger. It, it means messenger. Um, they called them angels because they were uh, seraphim or cherubim sent on a mission which gave them the title angel. They're messengers. They send uh, information from God down to earth and so on. And so that's what it means. And so it, it very well could mean a winged heavenly creature of some sort that God's created who has disguised himself because they can and they do, but it also means anybody. We had a situation yesterday. It was a, it was a great time, a great Saturday. You know, it was a Saturday like it's supposed to be. You know, you don't always have those kind of Saturdays, a day of rest and a day of kind of hanging out. And the kids were making me this plastic uh, picnic lunch. You know, out of all the plastic food up by the playhouse. It was great. It, w- the best part about it was they garnished it with parsley. Uh, from they picked the weeds and they put it on there. It actually looked kind of kind of looked good. I didn't eat it, but it looked. So I sat down, I took a picture of it, and I, you know, you just do that as a parent, and you have fun, and all of a sudden behind me, because just down this little, maybe four-foot embankment is the neighbors over here, and there's, they've got chickens and three dogs and like 12 chickens, you know, and the chickens don't crow at dawn, they crow all night long, three o'clock, 2 a.m., I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) gonna have chicken tonight, honey, um, no, we, it's kind of it's neat, actually. It's kind of nice. I'm kidding. I, we love them. They're great. Um, but out behind me, I hear this rustling. And there's this kid on his bike. You know, the neighbor kid, the new neighbor kid we haven't met because they're new. And he's riding around and he's been watching us play up there. And you know how kids are? They just start, you know, they're just kind of moseying around. You know, what are you doing? You know, and they start the conversation. And we just, I just went through this with three stray cats. I know it's a strange transition. And I will get back to God's word. But you know how you got to coax those, st- maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, I don't coax them at all. I, we have a soft heart, and there's these two kittens, three kittens, or three of them, and they, and they start, you know, they're, and they're super skittish. And it takes a long time to build up that trust for them to come near, to get up on the deck, and to finally get the food so close to you that you reach out and you, you stroke them once, and they look at you, you know. That's what this kid was like. It was so great to watch this whole thing begin as he's riding his bike around, kind of watching us. And I just started. I said, hey, I'm JD. What's your name? Well, I'm Hunter. I said, hey, Hunter, how are you doing? Good to meet you. We're neighbors. He goes, I know. Your poodle almost got eaten by my dogs. <laughs> then he starts this conversation, you know, about the poodle and how we got to keep the dogs in now because and, and they're going to eat your poodle. And We got one of those yippy dogs. The, the point is, as this conversation progressed, he's now off of his bike, moving up the hill, sitting on the stool next to me, and then brings his bike up into our yard. And now, bowing him are riding around. You know, okay. The whole point of that is, I got a lot from this kid as I'm talking to him. He talked nonstop. Super smart kid. Super smart kid. Just, just like, but he had a lot to say, and he had a lot of good stuff to say. And what I'm saying is, I learned a lot from that moment to put into this sermon today. Which, by my estimation, I got blessed by a messenger is what I'm saying, you know um we entertained him, I didn't dismiss him. I didn't focus on the kids, and you know how it is is you're the dad with plays with the kids, you get all the neighbor kids because the dads aren't home to play with their kids, so you're the you're the, you're the guy you're the dad in their life kind of thing you're that figure kind of thing. My dad was that dad. I want to be that dad. I hope my kids are that or my my sons are those kind of dads very important to entertain angels and that's why I switched it from it's not just the winged creatures it's your neighbors it's people it's it's in those interactions where you might get something from God and if you didn't entertain that you wouldn't get what you were praying about you wouldn't get the the message that you'd been asked for you know god help me give me a sign show me what to do i don't know which direction i'm supposed to go and out of this silly conversation with neighborhood kid hunter comes an answer from God. He says, I just sent it in the most humble package I could. You know? It's powerful stuff when you pay attention to God's word and don't make it too big and lofty. Man, it's right here. That's why they call it supernatural. It is supernatural how God works. He's all around us. He's constantly working and speaking and moving and doing. He's right there. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated. He had to put that in there so we understand which prisoners he's talking about. Some won't like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Since you yourselves are in the body of Christ, he's talking about persecuted Christians here. There's a whole ministry developed off of this, saying that if the church is not going off and talking to the murderers and all these people and doing what they're supposed, you know, then they're not fulfilling this verse here. They're not doing what God's Word says. No, the writer's intent here is don't forget the persecuted Christians, the ones who are being mistreated, not the ones that belong there, Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we don't go visit them and that we don't minister there and share the gospel with prisoners. Of course, you do. But you're not in violation of this scripture right here because you're not at the prisons teaching Bible studies all the time. That's important to do. I think there's a need for it. But this scripture is specifically talking about the persecuted Christians. And the reason I bring it up and make a division there and make a point of saying that is because if we think it's that, we forget to do what it's actually talking about, which is remember the persecuted Christians. We grabbed the wrong group, still can be ministered to, still saints or super, future saints maybe. But we don't want to forget the actual persecuted Christians in Iran, in Syria, in our country, anywhere, and make sure you're visiting them. The writer here is talking about himself. It's a blessing when you're on the other side of those bars to have free men, free brothers and sisters in the Lord on the other side, being able to Bless you, minister to you, give you your coat, bring you the scrolls, and also send off letters to the churches, because I can't do it. It's great that you're here. So yes, minister to the actual uh, incarcerated for for good reason people, for sure, but don't forget the mistreated. Don't forget those who are prisoners that are brothers and sisters in the Lord, that are in jail for Christ's sake. Marriage is honorable, uh, is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Um, I, I mean, it, it says what it says. You don't have to go into any more details, I guess. Um, but I, I expound a little bit on it. Marriage is honorable among all, not some. Everybody can be married. It's okay. It's okay if you're called to be celibate. That's fine, as long as you can be. As long as you can be. There's a lot of folks, there's a whole group of people that have decided to take a vow of celibacy and they're not doing a very good job of it. And it becomes perverted and we see a lot of problems because they didn't heed. Hey, if you can't be celibate, get yourself a wife, buddy. Don't get perverted in your mind and go off and do these other things with little boys and little girls and things like that. Get yourself a wife, do it the right way. The marriage bed's undefiled, there's nothing wrong with the marriage bed. I'm trying to keep it PG anyway here this morning. Because fornicators and adulterers, God's going to judge. So take heed to that. You know, If you need a wife, get one. Well, it's not like you can go to the store. Well, you kind of can. I mean, they're in the produce aisle. Just ram your card into theirs and say, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know how to tell if this is right. But get the conversation started. And wives, get yourself a husband. Get yourself a husband. And I'm not saying that marriage is better than single. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, you need to wait until God provides for you and takes your Just make sure you're waiting on him and not waiting for your ideal. The only reason we look for the perfect one, the perfect one is the one God brings you. That's important. The one God brings you is the perfect one, and that's the one for you. It may not be, they may not fulfill your list, But that's the one God gave you. That's the perfect one for you. The only only reason they don't is because they think they deserve better. Careful that you don't have that mentality as a single person looking for a husband or a wife. I think I can do better. You know, I don't think you should have a wife at all, but God's going to give you one anyway. You know, none of us men are worthy of a wife. That's for sure. Look at us. But he gives this to us anyway. It's wonderful. And treat them like that. Treat them like a gift that you never deserved. You know, marriage counseling 101 right there. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Basically, godliness when contentment is great gain is what the writer's saying here. Stick, stick with what you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Don't be um, unhappy with what you have at, at your house, in your possession, um, so much so that you're, you're, just, you're just focused on what you don't have. That's, a, that's not a good way to live. You don't want to be looking ahead um, in the future to dreams and imagination. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy where you are in, 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 in a small way, and it's, it's not really what he's talking about, even with kids um, enjoy the season that you're in with them because it doesn't last very long. It's gone quickly. It is gone quickly. Oh, I just oh, there's just constant need. They're constantly saying this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, but pretty soon they won't even want to hug you, or they want to move on, or they've got someone else that they're interested in. Dylan, um. <laughs> man, my daughter is smitten. Um, I don't exist anymore, and that's a good way. That's a good thing. They're both Oh, Dylan, you're here. Oh, I ruined. It. I didn't, I th- I saw her leave. I didn't know you were still here. Sorry about that. <laughs> she likes you more than me. I just want you to know that. <laughs> it's a season enjoy it. But what he's talking about here is be content where you are with what you have. Things may come, they may not come, but if you enjoy where you are right now with what God's given you and and give him thanks for it, it's just a better way to live. So remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. He's going to hit on this again in verse 17 and 24, and I'll probably spend more time on it there, but he is talking about leadership in the church in all three verses. And so um, remember them, and he's going to describe what it means to remember them um, but also, when you remember them, remember that they're not, just because they have a title, it isn't automatic. Consider the outcome of their conduct. You know, um, there's, some, there's some guys you probably wouldn't want to follow um, that are in ministry um, because the outcome of their conduct has shown um, their heart wasn't in the right place maybe or something. I'll just leave it at that. But um, anyway, remember them, the writer says. Don't forget them, those who rule. And the word rule there is actually the word, it can be used, Lead. They're the leaders, you know, in the church. Um, they, they speak the word of God to you, whose faith follow, follow their faith, follow their walk with the Lord, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart is established by grace, not with foods, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. It's interesting he goes right to that. Of all the strange winds of doctrine that can float through the church that we can glom onto and make idols in our lives, he goes right to food. And it's the same today. And I'm not going to say anything about specific diets, specific foods, specific Christian holy lists on the Internet that you're supposed to follow. He's talking about, even back then the religious system that the Hebrews were moving back to, that he said, don't go back to that. There were rules and regulations on what you can and what you can eat. And it became such a burden to them. Um, he reminds them that you're supposed to, like it says in 1 Timothy 4, for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanks. I don't have to worry about what I eat. now. Now, if something doesn't agree with you, by all means, throw it out, you know? Um, I think uh, John McBride and I had a long conversation about Brussels sprouts last night. And he's not a big fan of those and can do without them. It's fine. Eat something green, though. It's not all the cruciferous vegetables are bad for you. Just those don't sit well If you. Find something you can eat, but don't let it become your God. Don't let it become your every thought. Now, some people have some serious diseases where they have to be really careful about what they eat. And that's fine. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying when you think it's holier to eat this way, not if it just makes you feel better. You know, if you're gluten intolerant and you don't like it and it makes you feel poorly, then fine, take it out. But man, I love me a piece of bread. Whole wheat, I want it all. Give me all the gluten you're not eating and just put it on my plate. I don't know how you do that, but I'll take it. I'm not gluten intolerant. I love it, but some people are. The writer here is saying just don't be carried about. And you know that. When, when that's what comes off their lips, instead of Jesus Christ and the saving grace of Jesus Christ as a Christian, if that's not coming off your lips, but you're talking about essential oils instead, come on. Really? I, and I, I did it, didn't I? I, was gonna, I wasn't going to mention that. I mean, essential oils are fine. It's not going to be here in five years, guys. I hate to break it to you, but it's not going to be here in five years. They're going to find something else to pedal, And then you're going to do that. And then there's going to find something else to pedal, And then you're going to do that. You know? Fine, do it if you want to, but don't let it consume you. Don't let it be your mantra every time you see someone in the grocery store. Did you get yours in the mail today, you know? <laughs> no, but I read this really cool psalm in my quiet time this morning that talked about Jesus Christ, and he's done so many awesome things. I can't wait for this tent to decay and die. <laughs> so I can get to be with him. <laughs> Sorry. Do not be carried about. Now, if you like essential oils, I think that's great. I think it is. There's nothing wrong with it. They smell good. They really do. You know, some of them are really nice and all. But, it, you know, that, that's all it is. Just leave it where it belongs. Keep it in its place. You know? I hope it helps you. That's great no scientific evidence, but I hope it helps you. Um, we have, and no, clinical studies don't count. They're not scientific. We have an altar from which those who serve um, the tabernacle have no right to eat. You've got something better than those guys who are wasting their time, worried about all the foods. They think it's making them more holy, closer to God and all that. You're established by grace. You've got an altar that these guys can't eat at. Now, he's talking figuratively. It's not an actual altar. It's not a place. They have an actual place. They have a place where they sacrifice and they have the piecemeal and they can eat part of the lamb and they can do this, that, or the other thing. They take the carcass outside and so on. Remember when we went through Leviticus? That's why we're doing this. That's why we're in Hebrews because we just got done with Leviticus and this is explaining to us as believers in Christ where we are. No, leave that stuff in the rearview mirror. You've got a better altar. Don't go to that old altar come to this better altar, and he describes it here, whose blood for the bodies of those animals at those old sacrifice places, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, By him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. It's it's a different kind of altar. It's not a super spiritual food that you eat that they're consumed with and can't think of anything else other than that. It's about praising God, which they should have been doing even in that sacrifice, but they weren't anymore. It's about letting the fruit of your lips bring glory to God. See how he's bringing this about? It's the the meat of your word. It's the fruit of your lips. He's using all the terms that they use actually to mean something spiritual, something that happens naturally in the person's life. And don't forget to do the good. That's part of worship too. You've received so much good from God that you're doing good for other people. This kind of it goes from there. It's, it's a, it, that's how you worship the Lord. You wanna, that's why the, the, two, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then uh, Paul narrows it down just to the one. If you want to love God, fulfill that first commandment, you've got to do number two. The, the, the second commandment to love your neighbor as yourself is how you love God. When you're loving your neighbor, that's how you worship the Lord. That's how you bless him and put him above everything else. And so he gives this beautiful, long um, dissertation. You've got a better table. You know, Christ led by example. He went outside. He was rejected by not only the world, the Romans, but he's also rejected by the religious rulers of the day. I mean, talk about lonely. He was out there by himself. He didn't even have a team. I mean, he had a team up in heaven, but he didn't have anybody down here. Everybody forsook him. And the writer here says, now, why don't you join him? doesn't matter if the world thinks that being a Christian is a great thing. Stay with Christ. doesn't matter if the religious world thinks that you're too intolerant of other religions and should be more inclusive. Follow Christ. And if you're standing outside the camp by yourself and the religious rulers are looking at you saying you should be more tolerant and the world's saying, I just hate you Christians, you're in a good spot. It's exactly where we're supposed to be standing. Because my Jesus, my Savior is outside the camp. There's no other place I'd want to be. I want to stand right beside him. Because I'm going to be standing beside him for eternity. And they won't. Verse 17. This is that second verse that had to do with verse 7. Obey those who lead or rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. Now he's not saying obey like hey. Kathy Wright, that's our 80 year old resident lady that sits in the back over here. Get on the roof and fix it. I got to obey the pastor. I better get up there. Of course not. That's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about when you have a decision to make, and they say, "No, I don't think we're going to do that." That you, you're okay with that. It's okay. I don't have to put up a fight. I don't have to argue about it. It's it's okay. You know. Uh, this isn't only talking about pastors or leaders in the church. You can put that under police. You can put that under anybody that has authority over us as people. They're all middle management. Middle management's a tough place to be. You've got to hear from your boss, and you've got you to execute. You've got to make it happen. That's just how it is. And there half of them don't like what you're telling them. You, to, you know you know what it's like if you've ever been in that middle management position where your boss has told you, hey, I want your team to do this. They don't like change, sir. <laughs> They hate change. Who does? Nobody likes it because they got to learn something new because it's hard, but do it anyway. Okay, hey, guys, guess what? We're having a meeting, and we're going to change. And then all the groans and the pencils. Oh, man, you know. What do you mean we're getting a new program? Or, no? you know, Windows 10, no, you know, kind of thing. Look, do it. It's a good thing. The middle management doesn't have a choice in the matter. It's not like they came up with the idea the police officers that are executing justice on following the law, they didn't write the laws. Next week when the, when the Congress or when Senate and, and the president ratify a new law and change something, guess what? They, ha- they don't pull people over for that anymore. All we do is execute the law. That's all we do is make sure that we're okay. Op- and it's not subjective or it's not supposed to be. Let them do so with joy, not with grief. You know, don't give them grief. Why'd you pull me over? I was only going five over you're going five over. Over what? The law, you know? What? It's not subjective. I don't, get to, I don't get to go off what you think I, when I should start enforcing the law. Is not based on your opinion. It's based on the law. I have to do that because if we're going to do that, there's another guy that says I was only going 10 over. Then the guys from Montana that don't have speed limits up there said, you know, we don't have those laws. This is dumb. I'm safe. I was driving safely. It's not subjective. And that's the same thing for anybody that's in that position. Let them lead. Be submissive to it. If you don't like it, move to Montana. Drive as fast as you want, you know? But let them rule. Let them lead. Let them do what they have to do, what they've been been commissioned to do. They've got to do it. They watch out for your souls. He's getting pretty specific here. Police aren't watching out for your souls, but he is talking about church leadership. They're looking out for your best interests. They pray about stuff. They seek the Lord on it. If God gives them an answer, that's how the ministry, that's the way it's going to go. That's the direction we have to go. This is where we're headed. They look out for your souls as those who must give an account. I've got to answer to Jesus, and you've got to, you're making me make a choice between answering to you and answering to Jesus? You lose. I've got to answer to Christ. Besides that, it's to your benefit. It's not going to be profitable if you don't. There's a blessing attached to that. There's a group of folks in heaven that decided not to follow the leader. And they've been doing so well since. When they followed Lucifer and a third of them went with him, that's a cringeworthy moment, you know? We just don't want to be that kind of attitude. I want to be on that kind of team. I don't want that kind of attitude, you know? I think about... uh, Um, Korah, the rebellion of Korah. Yeah, maybe Moses didn't do it right all the time. Maybe he had some, you know, made some faux pas, some pretty big ones sometimes. But let God correct him and pray that God would correct him, you know? What do you mean we're going around the mountain again? I don't know. He told me to go around the mountain again. I'd love to cross the Jordan too, but we can't. Not yet. Verse 18, pray for us the writer says, pray for us for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably but I especially urge you to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner. Please pray for us. Whoever this is, Paul, (laughs) wants him to pray for him. We're confident we have a good conscience. I'm not worried about that so much although I want to continue to have this good conscience. We want to live honorably and I also want to see you guys. I want to get there. Um, So pray for us. Now, May the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's his way of saying everything I wrote here is by the Spirit, from the Spirit, for you to grow. Please apply it that God may do that work in you that needs to be done. It's easy to read the Bible when you agree with it and you're already doing it. That's always easy. It's always wonderful to check the box next to that verse. God, this is great. It's difficult when you read on this list that I am not there yet. This is an area God's working on me in, to accept that and hopefully check the box as soon as he's done working in you. That's all the writer's saying. I'm glad you agreed with some of the letter, but remember all the letters from God. Please, please let him do that work in you to bring you around to his way of thinking, to his way of behaving. Remember, we're being conformed into the image of Christ. We haven't, we're not there yet. It's happening. We're going to heaven. It's a done deal, but the, con- the conforming is still taking place and that's what God's word does. The word of God changes hearts, changes lives. And so he simply praised that. God is a God of peace. He's, he has peace with you. Understand that. He's not at war with you. Who brought up Jesus from the dead. He's the one that raised him. He's a great shepherd of the sheep. And we're just sheep, he reminds them. And he's the shepherd. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. This isn't a temporary covenant like the Old Testament. This is the last covenant, the only covenant that we have anything to do with. It's everlasting. So you don't have to worry about switching again. This is the, This is it make you complete in every good work to do his will. verse 22. And I appeal to you brethren bear with the word of exhortation. It isn't easy to take. It is a hard pill to swallow sometimes, but he says bear with it. We have to tell our kids that all the time with certain medicines that they have to take, you know. How many more days? It's a 10-day deal. 10 more days or nine more days, or seven more days, or it's almost done, the metallic tasting stuff, or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter what flavor they put in it, it's horrible, but it's doing a work in you. And if you take every single dose and finish the prescription, it's gonna do what it was meant to do. It's gonna fix, it's gonna heal. You're gonna be better. God's word is a prescription written by God for us to follow, to absorb, and to eat not some of it, every single bit of God's word has to be received for that complete good work, complete healing to take place. So our sin nature, remember that's where we started, is removed and this world becomes better because I'm sinning less and so are you. Bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free. That's good news. He was in prison, but he's out. So, I mean, you know who this is, right? With whom I shall see if he comes shortly. <laughs> greet all, as long as he can stay out of jail, right? <laughs> greet all those who rule over you. There it is. That's the third verse. With all the saints. Just in case you were confused about what 7, 17, 24 clarifies it. The people reading this, make sure you greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Tell hi, say hi to everybody. Make sure you're reading it in the church. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Be filled with grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's a prescription to follow, and Lord, we've, we've read the label. Help us to follow the instructions, God. Lord, for those that don't know you this morning, um, maybe they've never had a personal relationship with you. Maybe it's always been something that's been external, like the writer was talking about. something An altar you went to, not an altar that you lived. God, today they felt that tug on your heart, and they want to accept you as their Lord and Savior and, and, and let you be not only their Savior, but Lord in their lives. And so just pray with me now. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins outside the camp. I'm with you. I'm at the foot of the cross right now. I know you were raised from the dead. I know that you now live and are seated at the right hand of the Father, and that all my sins were forgiven They've all been paid for, past, present, and future. have all been covered by your work at the cross. And I thank you that I'm now free and guiltless. I thank you that your righteousness was given to me. It's not mine anymore. It's not what I do that's going to get me into heaven. It's what you did. And I'm thankful for that, God. Now, now that you're my Savior, and I know that my eternity is secure because I trust in what you did on the cross for my entrance into heaven, help, would you be my Lord? Would you rule and reign? Would you help me to read your word and follow it to the letter like you're my boss, like you're my friend, like you're my father? Help me to hear your word, to get it deep into my heart and to obey it, it. that it might produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, that there might be love coming from my life, truth coming out of my heart and mouth, God, and uh, that the world might be better because I'm following you, because the world was better and is better because of you. So, Lord, thank you for that. Lord, bless these guys as they go today. Help them have a great rest of their Sunday. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for, uh, well, for drying things out a little bit. Well, until tell last night anyway or yesterday, but thank you for that. And we pray for more opportunities for the farmers and the harvesters to get everything done and in so that it's safe, so that they're not rushed or hurried. And give them a peace that surpasses understanding, knowing that you can, you can do all things. You can make this happen, and, and they don't need to be anxious or, or uh, concerned. Help them to have that peace that only you can give. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.